This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. And welcome to episode 103 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, positively brocaded in a sort of plummy purple, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. Well, thank you very much for that warming welcome. Um, I'm sitting here today and it's, it's really the first morning we've had without frost for a very long time. And, you know, this garden doesn't have an awful lot of frost. Um, and I have to say, I walked out this morning um, very briefly only, <laughs> but the coldness still hit my face. But it's beginning to sound a lot like springtime because the birds are all singing and it's absolutely fantastic. Over in Cambridgeshire with a sunny smile that light up it would light up anybody's day. We have Thoris Maria, Sophia, Fredericks and everybody. Where there is frost. It looks like Narnia out there. It's oh, not God. snowed, but everything mm. is completely encrusted in white. Well, this so... is going to be a warm one, I can tell. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully I've got the coldest garden. Our guest this week, first ever time on Talking Dirty, is the TV presenter, allotmenteer, author, wrecker mystery, who I'm sure countless of our viewers and listeners follow on Instagram because your Instagram page is just crazy numbers. And um, you're in North London, I think. So hopefully temperatures with you a bit better today. No, no, no. It was minus seven yesterday. So I think I topped that and it, we've still got we've still got ice, not frost, but we've got ice on our beds here. So no, it's it's frozen solid. That's what I can say. And that's why I'm tucked away in my little shed. This this potting shed, is it kind of part greenhouse, part potting shed. It's absolutely beautiful. Anyone who does follow your Instagram page will have seen some lovely um, pictures and videos of this particular yeah. corner with your helichrysums hanging up and your yeah. soil sifter and your onions. It's it's the it's the part where people think, oh, I really need to make this. I actually didn't make this potting greenhouse. It was my allotment neighbour and they didn't want to use it. So I said, I'll, I'll take over. I'll be happy to take over. And once I took over, it's been the best little space for me. It's It's been great just to start my seeds, do whatever I wish to do. In fact, just come here and just potter. In fact, not do anything, just potter. And that, that's a nice little feeling in this little greenhouse. I could quite happily potter there all day long, Wrecker. It's just, I'm in love with it. <laughs> I mean, it's made up of uh, recycled windows and doors. Yeah. So this is what Dave did. He he collected all the windows at one point and then a couple of doors. And that that's all it is. It's just windows all the way from top to bottom. And then he's just put some, some shedding at the top. So it's not mine. I, I always say it is not mine. It's not my creation. It's <laughs> his. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful greenhouse. Well, you've dressed it very well. You've obviously Thank got you. an, eye, an eye for detail. And you've had a long gardening journey, a long gardening kind of adventure. But um, you're a, a bit of a career changer, really. Uh, yes. Um, when I say career change, gardening has always been in me. I think it only sort of sprung through when the kids were born but even then it was a small garden at home and work was work we have we had our own business at the time and that was really 
really the sole the sole focus at the time. But then when the children were playing with their football and I had a few parts, I said, you know, I really need to get an allotment. And I thought, shall I? Because I'm still too young. Allotments then, <laughs> 20 years ago, allotments were known for retirees. Not not anymore. This is this is a whole new change. So what I said to them was, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get an allotment. And they said, go on then, mom, go for it, go for it. And because it was still known as that it retirees, they go, Mom, you're gonna be gardening with old people. I said, so <laughs> that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's been so the you, best actually, actually, that's a good thing, Reckon, because what you're doing, what you were doing, you were gardening with a fount of knowledge already there. So, I mean, yes. you know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what it was. So when once I got here, they, they, they would tell me, right, do this, do that. And I was a novice. In fact, I didn't know much about gardening at the time because, like I said, it was a career change. And I only went back to college to learn horticulture as it is because I wanted to work in the gardening trade, not as a garden writer or a presenter, but gardening as a gardener, as a professional gardener. That, that's that, that's my goal. And I don't know how, how I can say it changed my life, but this allotment really did change my life. But I have the best community around me and I don't know what I'd do without them. I really hope when we were setting up for this, uh, you said your neighbour might come and knock on the window because you haven't seen mm-hmm. them for a few weeks because the allotment's been frozen solid. I really hope that happens. <laughs> I do hope so, but but Pam, Pam Pam's not very steady on her feet, so they might come, and if I see them, I might just sort of leave this conversation, go and get her because she'll she'll help. <laughs> I hope I hope that ends up happening, and the um the great thing for you certainly from your your new book. I mean, the reason we've ended up finally crossing paths on the podcast is because you've got your kitchen garden book out there it is yes. <laughs> alan demonstrating it beautiful photography on the front cover and throughout i must say wonderful photos can i just can i just, I just I'm sorry to be so rude to interrupt you but do you know <laughs> i opened this book and my heart, heart was cheered Rekha, i just i just hope you're not going to be too disappointed but it was this the rhubarb <laughs> i mean i just thought how clever. I found that absolutely fascinating. Beautiful um, illustrations. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and just look at the joy on that lady's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must have been chuffed to bits when you saw what they'd done with the kind of the kernel, the the core information that you provided. I think when we when when this journey started, the book was was just like a seed. It it, it was just there, it was just an idea. But how do I make it, what I have in my head is colours. How do I make it colourful? Because the word is always there, but how do you make that? And I think it just it just evolved from one thing to another. I think information that I was giving them, they could see what I was trying to say. And when I saw the illustrations, I thought, yes. <laughs> this is, you know, they've actually looked into my brain and they've, they've done it. And I thought, how did they do this? But we all seem to work on really good levels. They they could hear what I was saying. I could hear what they were saying. And it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. When, when, I, when I had to do the writing, I didn't think I could write. But it was amazing. It was actually an amazing, amazing moment. But I only wanted to write about half a page. That's me. Done. And then the story started coming through. And... And I just carried on writing. And I think that's what winters are about. Just just tuck yourself away and just do some writing. It, it was really a good process. 
Yeah, and, and gardening and stories, I mean, they 100% go hand in hand. I love that Alan picked out the rhubarb because you, like so many Lotmanteers, I've just just got my first little quarter plot, inherited <laughs> rhubarb. I know. It's funny how you think um, this podcast is very, very sort of plant-focused most of the time. And then over the past few months, we've had Charles Dowding and Cleve West is a big allotmenteer and you. There's <laughs> quite a, an allotment sort of focus going on, I think, as I get more and more inspired and, uh, and try and figure out my allotment. Once you have an allotment, you find there is there is so much out there. And it's not just vegetables. Allotments are not just about vegetables. I think that's one thing people think that's all you have to do is grow vegetables. There is one allotment down where, we, where I am and all they do is flowers amazing flowers and you think that is what allotment's about you do what you want to do and not not what is said to say it has to be vegetable so so that's that's the nice thing and I've learned so much about flowers when I when I wouldn't have done I'm sure you can see it in the book but I was never a flower grower but it's all there in in the background yeah, actually, I like that. There was a, a picture of the path sort of going through the allotment and there were little clumps of flowers, yes. probably a lot of them companion plants, but not just a straight row. They were just lovely little pops of colour along the path. Yes, I, I, that is that is a vision I started having once I started working for a professional garden. So I thought, it's just, I'm, I'm trying to marry everything I've learned over the, the time I've been studying and gardening it, it's it's all it's all joined together I worked in an ornamental garden they taught me a lot about colors and flowers and, and com- not just companion but how to group things together so I've put that into my own allotment but with vegetables included so everything is a mishmash it's, it's <laughs> like a little cottage garden but it's still a brilliant you know it's still it, it was it's still lovely to see and everyone comments when come summer it'll be in full bloom you, you just reminded me of my grandmother's garden because she lived in a cottage called Chestnut View at Fawnson End um, in Norfolk many years ago, and her garden was exactly that. It was yeah. a it was a mixture of flowers, fruit, and vegetables. And I mean, you know, there was there were apples, there were currants, red currants, white currants, black currants, gooseberries, yeah. all these kind of things. And I mean, it was it was it was incorporated with flowers. Now I yeah. grow flowers in the vegetable garden here. And the reason I do that, I think, is because she did it. I mean, if it's good enough for her, why can't why, you know? Why not? It's, it's it's a strange thing because I think a lot of people think that you know you have you've got a secret up your sleeve. Well, we probably have because you know, growing all these things together, you're encouraging every bit of nature into that garden. Uh, pollinators, predators as well as the pests, I suppose, to some degree. But I mean, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about balance, isn't it? But exactly that. It is about balance. You do need the pest for the predators to come. Otherwise, yeah. they're not going to, you know, just because you have beautiful flowers doesn't mean all the all the pollinators will come. You need the pest to come as well. And there is one thing I like to grow is parsnips. So let the parsnips go to flower and you collect your own seeds. But parsnip has this... Um, I, I've no idea what parsnip has, but it brings in all the black flies to it. And they seem to congregate on the parsnip flowers. But the next thing you'll see is the ladybirds are there. So yes. you've got, you've, you've, <laughs> yeah, you have to allow the pest to be there. When my neighbours see the, the black flies, they think, okay, we've got broad beans over there. I said, well, I've got parsnips here. You know, there's nothing <laughs> I can do. But the flowers of parsnips are so beautiful. They they bring in hoverflies afterwards. And and you, you, you can see that there is, 
there is harmony. There needs to be harmony in a garden. It's not just about beauty. It's just not about produce. It's about our harmony. Absolutely. Absolutely. In one. I mean, that's a trick I learned from Cleve West, actually, because in one of the show gardens at the Chelsea Flower Show several years ago, he actually planted a parsnip and the parsnip was in flower. And there's this wonderful lime green umbelliva that just looks, as you say, quite rightly so, stunning. Um, yeah. And I've had them in the in the in the um, in my flower garden ever since. And I mean, one of the great things I find with them, please don't let them self seed because they self seed incontinently. They're uh, there's, you know, one seed and oh, you've got a garden full of damn things. You've got parsnips <laughs> for the rest of your life. And you don't need to grow parsnips. If, any, but if, anybody, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they'd like to emulate this uh, this idea of growing a parsnip in, in, in with your flowers, I would just advise them to go to the farm shop and buy a parsnip because that's the easiest way to get the flowers. You don't have to sow seed and then wait a year. You know, just buy a parsnip. That's right. If if that's the way you wish to go, but then I save my seeds for growing into yeah. vegetables. So I make sure that it is the one variety that is grown on the plot and not several varieties because you don't want cross pollination. No. Yeah. And um, so parsnips, obviously one of your big favourite flowers on your allotment. What other flowers do you like to grow alongside your your veg and your fruit? Well, marigolds is is the number one. Yeah. Forage is another one. Uh, the heritage variety of forage is my favorite. I just let it sell seed wherever it wishes to grow. And, and I leave them there and I plant the vegetables around the forage rather than the other way around. You know, <laughs> companions are, are key in any vegetable garden. So let them be because it's very sometimes very hard to grow forage. They won't grow where you want them to grow. So just <laughs> seed, seriously, I try to start them in here and, and go for it. And they wouldn't want to start in here. So all I did was took, took the packet because they didn't grow in here. The rest of the seeds, I just went and threw them. Throw them on the plot. I said, you grow if you wish to grow. That's your problem. And they grew. Did they grow? They grew. All of them grew. And I thought, <laughs> the way to do it. Um, Throw the seeds in. If they're not working, just throw it because they need the cold snap. I didn't realize they need the cold snap. Again, I learned about them saying say they need the cold snap to germinate the following year. That's what is the key. The certain seeds, we think they're just horrible seeds. They're not going to grow for me. But they will because you just don't know them. You know, they have, they have a way of growing. Just because you want to grow them in here, it's not going to work. Just throw them out there and they'll do their thing. I love the idea of getting to know your seeds. Like you build the relationship, you get to know their characteristics. I mean, someone like uh, Mike Clifford, who grows the most extraordinary array of plants from seed, he really gets down into the nitty gritty of trying to get to know his seeds and all the different mediums and temperatures and conditions yes. he can grow them in to figure out. And then able to tell the people he sells seed to, this is how you manage to get the best germination success. But I love the a bit easier to just scatter them on the plot. <laughs> Well, that, that's to do with companion companion flowers. That's that's how I work them because they're not my most important, I would say, because I've already got self-seeders there. So it's not like I need them. But if they do decide to come through, great. And I know what I've done is just let them be. And, then, and that's when we have to learn the words about hardy, half-hardy, you know, all those words are key. You know, we really need to listen to what those words mean because they're not just words. They're not just there. There is a reason why they're there. So anything that's called annual, you know, they need some some 
work to them, keep them aside, they need pampering, whereas half-hardy, you can throw them out there and they'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's what half-hardy means. <laughs> Just to go back to the rhubarb that Alan mentioned, oh, um, yeah. I, I love that you inherited rhubarb, but you didn't actually like it. No, no, we didn't like rhubarb as a family. We just didn't. I think that's because we've never eaten a good rhubarb. You know, there is that word, good, good quality, organic rhubarb. And the ones we used to find in the shops, even still today, I look at them and I thought, you are so spindly. I need some nice, chunky root because I grow them now. I know I know what I'm looking for. And I thought, no, I can't pay that price for you. So I just walk on. And that's what you used to do to me, that the taste of shop grown, sorry, commercially grown rhubarb did not do justice. And when I inherited, the children said, please, mom, get rid of it. We don't like rhubarb. And I said to them, I'll grow it one year. Let's let's give whatever's on the plot one year. If we don't like it once I've cooked with it, I'll get rid of it. I'll give it away. And game change to the cake has been the best thing ever. And everybody makes it. Come, come spring, everyone's going to tell me, right, your cake's being made. So I'm not the only one making the cake. Everyone else is. Well, I think you're a wonderful advocate, Rebecca, for... But actually, the old adage that we all know, that if you grow food yourself, it tastes better. Yes, it, it really does. Because I didn't think that was true until I actually did it myself. Yeah, exactly. And I, I tell the other family members that, come and, come and try this. And they go, I actually taste potato. I can mm. taste potato. I said, that's exactly what it is. Because that potatoes have time to grow. It, I haven't fast grown it. It's taken its own journey to become where it is it takes several weeks it's going to take that several weeks i'm not going to push it into two weeks and, and give me something i need it it you need to let it mature in its own way and that's, that's what that's, that, that's what homegrown is all about you might only yeah, get sure. a, a handful of crops but they're a really good quality handful of crops yeah i love that despite clearly being very good at growing you haven't managed to convert your family to peas of all things glorious mm -hmm. delicious peas <laughs> no not peas peas is not not their favorite they, but they'll see the pea packets and they'll go oh no she's gonna <laughs> grow them but i do grow them they will eat them because if i add them in things like a paella or in a curry they will eat them but i think it's the fresh peas they just can't seem to um down them and i'm Oh, I'm happy to eat them here. You know, I just don't They're not going to get home anyway, so I might as well just eat them. But I do have one section which I will save and freeze them. But but most of them are just eaten here. I don't think Alan sees many of the peas he grows in his garden because visitors normally eat them. I certainly have when I've been in your garden. Well, if you have a, if you have a row of peas, it's the ends of the rows where, where they're close to the path. There's no peas there at all. But I mean, I can walk into the middle of the row and I can gather peas. No, I think peas, it's a lovely, lovely vegetable, but they just don't like the taste. Some people don't like the taste of tomato, fresh tomato. They just can't stand it. But I love it. And the smell. I think that there's something about a smell of tomato plants. I love that smell, but a lot of people hate that smell. So I think it's it's just love-hate relationship. But they still it eat is. it. Don't get me wrong. It is. It's entirely how your olfactory senses, how, how you interpret the smell. I mean, coriander is another thing that some people love and some people don't. Oh, um, yeah. And also, and also, I think, you know, you've mentioned marigolds, French marigolds, tagetes, those kind of things. Yes. They give off this aroma that certain pests 
they don't like. I mean, you know, it's said to deter lots of things, white fly include, included. Yes. Um, but I mean, I love the smell of French marigolds. And if, if I'm growing the tall Tadgetes patula, when I go past, I brush it with my hand just to get the smell. Love it. Yeah. I, I do the same thing because I tend to grow them <laughs> next to the tomatoes. And it's they look so nice to grow as well because of the height. The, yep. the, the Tadgetes give the, the tomato plants because I grow all my tomatoes outdoors. And the height is so nice to be mingling with the, the tall plants of tomatoes. I yeah. think a lot of people said, well, I would never have thought of putting tagetes with tomatoes because it's always marigolds, the short varieties. I said, no, yeah, yeah. I just want to hide them at, at some point, just hide the tomatoes because then they're hidden, but in a way they're being protected by the flowers. So so it's, it's just a companion and a harmony. Mm. And your book is absolutely full of companion planting ideas and your favourite varieties. I very much get the feeling that over your sort of 20 odd year allotment journey, you've been trying all the different varieties and working out your favourites. Oh, yes. I mean, when it comes to favourites, it it's what, like I said, what is going to grow there if I just throw it out there? They become my favourites because they, they don't need much care. I don't want to be fussing over flowers. That That's the last thing, because I've got enough to fuss over the vegetables. I don't want to fuss over you. So can you please just help me out here, you know, and just grow when I ask you to grow? You know, is it too much? Is it too much? But it's not. But but I do get I do get my favourites. But forage is my utmost favourite. And then when it comes to the, the sort of uh, fertiliser side of things, I've got, I always have my eye on the nettle patches around the allotment and, and they all know she's going to go for that one first and it, that's Wrecker's patch, you know, don't don't even, don't even go. <laughs> and, and then there is the comfrey as well. That that's, that's another one that I have to have to insist. If you're a beginner gardener, try and get some comfrey on your plot. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I mean, you're you're very good at making the teas. You use a lot of fu- uh, fish blood and bone as well. So all of those really, the really important thing that people sometimes forget about food, you know, feeding their yes. their plants, particularly on an allotment. And you seem to have that covered off. Oh, I ca- yes. I, I don't want to try and spend too much money, but I know I'll have to at some point get fish blood and bone. If I could make it myself, oh, I sh- so would. <laughs> <laughs> but... but- no, I'm not going to go down that. that <laughs> would love me for that. But that, that is that is one thing I really use a lot of. It, it, it gets sprinkled everywhere. The flowers, the, the fruit, everything gets fish blood and bone. It, it's, it's my, it's my favourite go-to shop or item. But then comfrey is another one. If you just, if you don't like the smell of the feed that you make, just take the leaves and just before you plant whatever it is you wish to plant, say beans, just Put the leaves underneath and then it, it, make your hole put the leaves underneath and then plant your 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 seedlings over it and that's all you need to do so it's being fed anyway but you don't need to smell it so there is there is a way of not having that smell but using the leaves at the same time that's an amazing tip love that um yeah and your your whole book you've got these little garden tips and the kitchen tips I, I just I try kept trying to make notes of some of your recipe ideas, Rekka. Your household must be so lucky. Your food sounds divine and totally oh, delicious. I mean, to me, it's just cooking. I, I like to cook. And I think that's that's where the love of gardening sort of came about, because I like to cook with things I know. And so if I've found a. If I've, if I've heard of a vegetable in that recipe or in a restaurant, I think, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't know what it looks like. So I think that was kohlrabi. 
a few years yeah. ago, I came across a dish with kohlrabi. I said, what is kohlrabi? And I had to look it up. And in fact, it was. It is a very popular European vegetable, which we used to grow in this country at some point, but it fell out of fashion like, like, like no other business. <laughs> and then when I did grow it, my neighbor, because she's mature, so I'm not going to use her. I'm not going to use that word because she's. But she goes, oh, we used to grow them. My dad used to grow them, and I said, oh, so why don't you grow them now? She goes, I don't think we used to like them at the time. So I think it fell out of fashion. And and those are the things I like to do. Is if I've tried something and I loved it, I want to grow it. And that is very dangerous because when I go to a green grocer and I see a vegetable that I can't recognize, I'll say, what is it? How do you do it? How do you cook with it? And if I see a customer who's just picking us, what do you do with it? I just grab them. <laughs> what do you do with it? And the green grocer really hates me for going into the shop, but I have to do it. <laughs> that's just me and vegetables. I get hooked onto them. And I always think kohlrabi looks like a sophisticated Swede. <laughs> a lot of people say Swede and an alien. If you if you say yeah, yeah. it looks like an alien, but it's a lovely vegetable. It's such yeah. a nice crunch. Very, very mild brassica taste, but very mild. But yes. beautiful, beautiful vegetable. So what do you do with your kohlrabi? Yeah, <laughs> kohlrabi is great in salads. Just turn it, turn it grated if you have if you must, and then mix it with something like even a cabbage. But what I like to mix it with is not not um, dressings, but go for your mango chutney, mix that in with, with it, or even a pickle chutney, mix that in. And rather than making a, a, a very mayonnaise slaw, make it like an Indian slaw. Mm. So you've still got the crunch, but you've still got the spice. And that, that, that brings it together because it sort of mellows the brassica taste that some people may not like. Oh, See, see, if you haven't read the book, this is what I mean about making everything sound completely delicious. You and you haven't, haven't even lit a fire to cook anything with yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was French bean pods, possibly. You had talked about a Sunday roast. I had to write this down because it sounded amazing. Lightly steamed, okay. then added to mustard oil in a griddle pan, along with a generous sprinkle of hot paprika and garlic salt. It just sounded so delicious. I was reading that in the evening when I was hungry. I was like, oh, I can eat that right now. <laughs> you don't even need to steam them because if they're that fresh, you can just literally put them straight into the pan and they'll be fine. You know, but, but there are things that, that 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 need to marry in my own in my own cuisine, which is which is Indian. So I need to bring still the the, the influence of where I live to what I know. So it, it, you know, it has to be a marriage of both. And it's worked, it's worked really well. But there are times when I just want a simple boiled peas. You know, that's all I want. I don't <laughs> want anything else. I just want simplicity in my life at times. <laughs> and I also love that for so many of us, having an allotment is about fresh produce. But um, mm -hmm. did I read that you part of what got you into kind of wanting to grow your own was was the sort of beans at the end of the season, the beautiful beans that you could store and use through the winter? Oh, yes. I mean, I've got them here. Would you like to see my yes. my beans? Yes, please. Uh, Not a sentence you get to see all the time. Would you like to see no, my I've beans? Got, I've got two. I've brought these, which are yin and yang. They're called yin and yang. And these are my edamame beans. I mean... That I cut. They're the most easiest bean to grow. They're 
I don't know if I, I don't know if you can see them. Oh, look, yes. And these are homegrown uh, edamame beans that you can grow yourself. I've saved these are my seeds. So I will be growing these again. And slugs hate edamame because they are so hairy. The plant, the whole plant is hairy. So they won't, they won't attack these. And because they're from Japan, the climates are similar. They will grow outdoors perfectly. So it's been a great, it's been really, really nice. But I do like, I just like the look of, of beans, the way <laughs> they sit. Do you have some sort of fabulous pantry at home to match this fabulous potting shed you've got set up? I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. <laughs> Everything sits, sits beautiful. So you've got one section with all my chilies and all the powders that I make. And then you've got your beans and then you've got your pickles. You know, it, it, it needs to look, you know, well, you know, finish. Start here. I bet it looks it. like a jewel box. Oh, yeah. I mean, then then you don't want to touch it, do you? <laughs> but I do. <laughs> yeah. they have to be used they have to be used so you brought your beans did you bring some preserves as well or some chutney oh yeah yeah let me get these gloves off because i don't like i don't want to break any jars here <laughs> okay right let's get these out oh, look at all of this yeah oh every color it's like the rainbow every color yeah Right, there's one thing I really wanted to show you is this is Aleppo pepper. I don't know if you can. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, beautiful. And I, I grew Aleppo pepper here because I, for what it is, it's, it's the heritage behind, behind what the, um, the chili is, from where it comes, from Aleppo. And, and I think the heritage it has been dwindling on the chili because it's such a famous chili. And it is such a beautiful, it's smoky, it's sweet, and it's got a little tang at the end. It's it's the most amazing chili I've ever had. And, and, I, and I need to grow it because you can see, that's all I'm left with now. So I need to grow it this year. So I can <laughs> pick that up. These are my beetroots. I love pickle beetroots. But the most recent thing I've made is marmalade. Oh. I know it's not, it's not from the allotment, but <laughs> it's seasonal. And... It's one thing I love to make is marmalade. I'm not partial to it. It's not my favorite thing to eat, but it's my favorite thing to make. And I love it. I love making this. And, and a lot of people have found the recipe for this so easy to follow. And it's given me joy that other people can make it too. So is that some, where would they go about finding that recipe? The recipe's on, the on my blog site. No, <laughs> it's not in the book. No, oh. because I didn't grow this, did I? <laughs> So just head to the website and track it down. So the website and it's under Seville Marmalade. This one, the one that everyone has found the most easiest to follow is Seville Marmalade 2. <laughs> it's a very boring name, but Seville Marmalade 2. <laughs> the other thing I like to do is chilies. I love to grow my own chilies and use my own, own dry chilies and turn it into powder. And that one's Pedron chilies. I had so many pedrons a couple of years ago that I allowed them to ripen and turn it into my own uh, powder. So lovely to use in paella. Oh, what a sense of satisfaction you must get from being able to create all of this. I mean, people who like to grow their own might bottle a bit or make a chutney or, or make a jam, but you have just got the full spectrum. It must be so, oh, yeah. just so rewarding. It, it is. And when you see it all lined up, 
you think, I'm glad I grew that because I can eat that myself. I don't need to go and buy certain things because sometimes you only want to use it once or twice and you have to buy a whole packet. At least I know I've used this and someone comes to me, can I have a little bit of your uh, chili powder? It's nice to give somebody something because you know it's been grown with love and it'll taste what they expect it to taste of. So it's, it's, it's a nice thing. The other thing is the glass gem popcorn. I don't know if you've heard of glass gem corn, but rainbow, the whole corn is not sweet. It's not sweet corn. It's more for uh, making flour. But the colours within the cob, it's not just one red, one blue. It's colourful. There's yellow, there's reds, there's oranges, there's all sorts. That's what I do is make popcorn with my own um, seeds. And I think sometimes people who've dabbled a bit with growing their own, they can feel like you know, they don't make the most of it. You know, they go away and they go away on holiday for two weeks and miss the harvest and then everything sort of shriveled up. Suddenly you realise, OK, well, if you can leave your your chilies and turn them into powder or you can leave your beans and have them to put in winter stews um, yeah. later on. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, I missed the season or I couldn't keep on top of the glut. And so I haven't been able to to make the most of it. I know you're big on freezing as well. And, you know, cucumber, because there was a great... Um, recipe of, of cucumbers that had gone sort of past their best and you sort of turned them into a fritter or something yes that, I mean that recipe came from my sister my younger sister told me I think we were just having a conversation and I said oh my you know I've got so many cucumbers and and, and I have to leave them and let them just ripen she goes well you can still use them and turn it you know she goes take the skin off take the seeds off and then grate them take most of the water out because but then because it's ripe it's got a lot, lot of pulp to to the cucumber and turn it into fritters. I said, "Oh my goodness, you know, I could hug you now." This was over a phone. I said, "I could hug you now because I've got so many." <laughs> it was just, the, you know, it was like, "Oh yes, why didn't I think of that one?" And she, you know, she came to my rescue just when I needed it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Getting the most out of your plot. I can't imagine there are many things that go to waste at all on your allotment. Um. Uh. Yes. Sometimes they do. <laughs> Courgette is one of them. But yeah. But the nice thing, the nice thing with courgettes and allotment is you have a lot of other people around. Some people not grow it because they know others are growing it. So it is so nice when I forget in the glass. Just share, share the courgettes. I can't imagine there's anyone who gardens who hasn't been given spare courgettes in their life. Oh gosh! I mean, last year was was a courgette year for sure i mean it was a beautiful year last year I, though we had the most mega heat and now the the worst cold it's been it was a really good year for produce i found that i had a really good good time on on that plant and there are some plants that love the heat and it was great you know i yeah. said yes go, go ahead be hot you know i don't I, I know i shouldn't talk about global warming that way but yay <laughs> i got some i got a crop <laughs> what do you think loved it the most what was your kind of real success from the heat the french beans french beans actually like the heat whereas the runner beans were sulking all yeah. summer and they only got through around september time is when they just decided to you know the runner bean goes hey hey it's our time now but french beans love the heat and the climbing varieties love it even more so i had a lot of french beans coming through whereas people are saying but we haven't got runner beans and in the ones i like to grow are the flat variety the flat flat podded ones 
and you can use them like runner beans. So I was I was just a happy little bunny here, just <laughs> just growing whatever I wished to grow, and it was it was doing everything I wanted to. The plot did what I asked it to do, and it was great. It, I I couldn't I couldn't fault it anyway. I and mean, right now it's underwater and frozen, but but that that's allotment. Yeah. Yeah, 100 percent. And obviously you love to collect your own seed and at least, you know, you had lots of dry weather to be able to collect seed in rather than like Mm -hmm. wanting to collect something. And it's a manky wet day and everything's uncollectible. No, I mean, that's true. And when you there are times when you should collect at a certain time of the day, which is the midday, that's the best time to collect seeds because all the moisture has completely gone. And by two, three o'clock, the moisture starts coming back. So you make sure you collect at midday. It's the opposite for when you collect flowers, you collect first thing in the morning, but seeds you collect at midday. So there are things you learn. I think uh, this is a learning process. I didn't know this. I learned as I went along. And the place where I learned the most from is the Heritage Seed Library, because I'm a I'm an ambassador for them now. But I started with them and I, and I was amazed at how much knowledge they shared that you can learn how to save your own seeds. And that, that's where I get that's where I get my information from. So I've learned over the years as well. And you've got like an entire tray, a, a whole like box of seeds next to you that you I assume oh, quite yeah. a lot of those are collected. But this is what I'm going to be sowing now. But I do. There's one thing I like to, to save is my chili seeds. But I, I like to say them as whole pods and then take it out from there because I find they're the best way of of saving chilies is the whole pod. They're, they're being protected anyway, so you don't need to worry about the conditions. Their condition is within themselves. And another one I like to save, like I said, was parsnip. Uh, I've even collected olives. <laughs> you have to try. You just have to try and do whatever you Whatever comes along, I like to I like to grow. What else have I got here? Onions. Onions is another one I love to grow from my own. So I tend to allow the onions to grow the second year because it's a biannual. So and the flowers come through, lovely, beautiful allium flower heads. And then you collect the seeds and you grow again the following year. So there's I love the cycle. The fact that it's within my own little world of gardening and I've got my own produce and I've got my own seeds. So it's it's that sort of thing that makes me excited in gardening. I think somewhere off camera, you've got an onion, haven't you? Like a little growing okay. onion. I do. I started these in September and they're at this stage now. These are the overwintering variety. So they're, they're kind of dormant at the moment, but they're, they're happy. And they've had that minus seven degree uh, temperature on them. So they're looking a little bit sulky, but they'll come through again. But but that's a whole that's a whole thing about growing your own. It may take long, but at the end of it, you'll get you'll get your own produce. And, and that that's 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 the nice thing about it is you do get to feel your own produce. It's not going off. I mean, these these were harvested in September and they're still they're still going strong. We're in we're in January and still going strong. I'm getting so ex- inspired for my allotment. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about homegrown. It takes a long time, but that length of time is what it needs sometimes. Some vegetables need that time to mature and stay healthy throughout the storage period time as well. Because if they're fast grown, they'll fast mature at the same time and then they'll start growing in your in your shed. 
It's giving me you're giving me such a great perspective on my my new life as an allotment here, Rekka. It's wonderful and, and it's great that I can dip into your book and then um, get ideas as well. I mean, obviously the flomo is endless. I don't I don't even think I can necessarily <laughs> pick one out. I've more got potting shed flomo, I think, than than anything else. So seeing your straw flowers hanging up there, yeah. I um I absolutely love growing straw flowers but a couple of years ago I grew too many and I just it's not a big problem having too many straw flowers but I I didn't have anywhere to put them and I therefore last year ended up only having ones that had overwintered and they were fabulous plants they will now I'm sure be completely dead so I really need to sit down and think over the the sort of helichrysum varieties I want to try yeah I'm just just thinking Thordis now that you have your Small part of an allotment, you can buy helichrysum seed nowadays in separate colours if you want to. So if you wanted to go down the route of growing your own cut flowers or your own dried flowers, you could have them in sophisticated plain colours. <laughs> there oh, wow. there's, okay. a really, there's a really beautiful one. Is it called Salmon Rose? Do you yes. know, Alan? I mean, yeah. that is that is like the most on-trend, lovely peachy colour. And I am, as you can tell, partial to um, a bit of salmon, um, not just to eat. <laughs> Any salmon flower, I'm a sucker for that. So that one I have grown before. Um, I don't think it was a named variety that I had that was a beautiful red, but there's a very, very dark. That's my favourite. Burgundy kind of dark. Kind of colour of my jumper almost. Yes. And I can't remember what it's called. I'm going to see if I can quickly look. (laughs) But the other thing you can do, let me me get you something I created and it's still sitting, it's still, still surviving. Is that? Can you see that? Oh, oh yes. It's a beautiful arrangement. Yeah, lupin heads which have opened, but I just like the way I just like the way that the whole stalk stays. And then you've got these are actually um, uh, Callaloo. I don't know if you know of Callaloo. It's a spinach variety. Then you've got amaranth over here, and you've got nigella seed heads here. So I just I just threw them all together. I thought, okay, let's see how long it survived. It's actually survived in here for a long time. <laughs> and so, the amaranth was looking beautiful in there as well. Yeah, yeah. the the amaranth is the most. It it just it just throws so much color. I think I think in the book it it, it sort of plays a lot in in the um, in the photographs. But I think it's such an attractive plant. Yeah, I think um, you grow a lot of amaranth on your veg plot at East Ruston. Alan and then um, it's it's just one of those it's got a, like a catwalk magic about it it's such an ostentatious it's one of those plants you know I mean Rebecca Re- Re- was talking about borage self-seeding and um, that amaranthus self-seeds in the garden here and the strange thing about it is that I mean first of all I love it because it's such a forgiving plant when you grow it from seed and I've grown some seed tray of them, and I've only used probably a third of the seed tray. And the rest get, I don't throw them away because I can't bear to. Um, and then three weeks later, I'll go back and I'll, I'll put, pick out little clumps into pots before putting them in the garden. And they forgive you. They've had that check, but they forgive you and off they go. But the self-sown ones, a bit like a self-sown anything, they seem to grow bigger, better, more robust than anything else. And yeah. so when we get amaranths, amaranths growing in our vegetable garden, when we are, our vegetable garden is quite formal. But like Rekka, we leave them and we plant round them because they're there. And they chose to be there. And I feel flattered that they chose to be where they are. 
And so yeah. what right do I have to take them? You know, let's go with it. Yeah. That's what I we think, do. I think that, that, that is the way, that's the way to do whatever you wish to grow, grow it. But if it doesn't want to grow, try and just put the seeds down themselves and let them do what they want to do. Because yeah. they, sometimes they teach us more than we we think we know. You know, so so I think I think that that's that is key when it comes to seed sowing. Don't don't think you have to sow everything indoors. Just try and do it outdoors because yeah. back in the day, I think that's what they did is they they didn't have all this indoor space to grow things. They had to do it straight outside. I think exactly. sometimes when, I, mean, yeah. when I go back to my grandmother, she saved. I mean, you were looking through your say your self saved seeds there, Rebecca, and it mm -hmm. just reminded me of her. She didn't have a polythene box like you've got she had a tin an old biscuit oh, yeah. tin you know oh, I and... tin. it's just i thought i'll bring it here just it's easier to just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they say their seed it's you're just so right about you know at the row end of a row of onions there'd be three onions that were allowed to flower and then get the seed from them and you know it's just a simple matter of doing it and yeah. i think what you've got to do there's one thing you've got to do i think first of all let's keep an open mind as you say because you've got to let the plants teach you as well as you learning and knowing what to do but let them teach you let them come to you let it be a halfway house i mean you yeah. know they're living things after all i mean they might not talk to you but they will talk to you in ways <laughs> well, well they do, well they do talk to me i always say that i talk to them and they talk to me and we have this little harmony of conversations going but but i i think a lot of people would say a lot of gardeners would say we do talk to our plants and i think they're when, when I say we talk, we, we sort of try to find out what do you want me to do? How, why are you looking so so ill? What, what would you like me to do? To, you know, I think there is there is a communication of some sort. It might be just... Yeah, the most important part of that is listening, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then you look at the plant and think, what would you like me to do? You don't pamper it too much. Maybe it doesn't need pampering. Maybe it just wants to be left alone and it'll do what it wants to do. And that's what we, as gardeners, we tend to do is listen to the plants because they are talking in some way or form they are talking to us and I think sowing in situ as well I have every year of my gardening life been a bugger for for sowing too early you know I get too excited and I sow too early and the results are not always marvelous and actually waiting a little bit waiting for the for the weather to be appropriate is generally a better idea I think that is so true. I mean, I haven't sown any seed that I need to be sowing as my annuals. Normally in January, I, I get going with it because the temperatures, I'm able to do it because it's not that cold. But this year has been so cold. And I thought, I am not going to fret. Don't fret because somebody else is doing it and showing you they've sown, sown this many seeds. Maybe their climate is different and they can do it. They've got a heated greenhouse. They can do these things. I haven't. I have to wait for the temperatures to rise a little bit before I can do it. So, okay, it's, more, what, three weeks since I haven't sown any seeds. But seeds, once they get the warmth going, they are up within within days and they'll be there and and I would think, why did I fret? Why did I lose sleep over it? And this year, I am not doing that. I'm going to wait and I'm going to actually start sowing now. I, I have not sown a single seed and we're now in February. So you can imagine what, what you know, people must think, oh, my goodness, she, she, she hasn't started anything. But I haven't because it's been too cold a January and, I, and I'm, I'm not fretting over that. <laughs> Here, uh, I did find my helichrysum, by the way. I think it's not got a very sexy name, but there's a helichrysum called Purple Red. 
which is very plummy. So I'm going to I'm going to try that one. It might not be the exact one I'm thinking of, but I know where to buy it. So <laughs> I think I'm going to put that one on my my list. Seeing those hanging above your head, Wrecker, I really want to <laughs> be in that situation. Flomo, for anyone who's never listened to one of our podcasts, is a, a feeling I'm sure you are familiar with in that it's when you see a, a plant or you, in Wrecker's case, I suppose, eat a vegetable or see a vegetable and think, I want to grow that. I've got a fear of missing out that I've not got that in my life. So, Wrecker, obviously, you've tried just hundreds of different varieties and, and species and things. But is there anything on your wish list for this year that you want to try to, to grow? Um, I think I want to try and grow for this year uh, plants I use for dyeing. Oh, that yes. is something I want to try. I've never done it. And I think I'd like to maybe some of my vegetables anyway can do that. But I want to see if I can dabble into certain certain things like that but that that's a different different scenario only because i i have a love for knitting and and i've and i've found you know there's quite a few people who do their own dyeing of their yarn i said oh wait if i grew my own dye and then buy my yarn and then then mix it and let's see maybe i don't know i don't know but that that's my next yeah that, that that's 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 somewhere else that's, you, that's on the wish list. you're talking my language Alan already knows this is the dream because I'm not great at knitting I love knitting poor Alan he normally gets a scarf every year some sort <laughs> of shawl thing he didn't get one this year am I complaining <laughs> and uh, I have I have mentioned in the past I don't think I'll have time for a while but the idea of being able to grow stuff and dye my own yarn that is I mean maybe not spinning that's a whole nother level of, of oh, I love, I, that, that's something I'd like to do is spinning I'd like to learn to spin I think I've been saying that for about three years now but I, I think that that's that's something it's still on my wish list I'd love to do my own spinning and see see if I can my own yard and then maybe you might even see some sheep around me <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what will happen on this allotment You're gonna go from businesswoman to allotment here to shepherdess yeah <laughs> do it all do everything no, go for it I would like to try spinning I'm just a bit frightened of getting too hooked on that and I really don't have time to, to spin oh, but I think I think when you when you say things about the color the colorful book I think it started because we didn't know where it was going to go we, it, I think it started with the socks I don't know if you've noticed that the socks is something I learned that's one thing I I wanted to learn to knit over the lockdown period. And so I learned to knit socks. That, that was the only thing that was missing in my collection of how to knit with four needles. And that was scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> I did that and I knitted those socks and they seem to have become the most famous socks. <laughs> and we go, right, you want colours, we'll get colours out of those socks. And I think, I think that just brought everything that I like to do within that book. This is making me so happy because on the end of my foot is a hand-knitted sock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you going to get your sock out as well? No, no Not I'm to be outdone. I can't no, get my leg up high enough. So <laughs> I must show you because if I hold it up, you can see it better. Um, You're going to start doing the can-can, Alan. <laughs> Here we have a knitted sock. Oh, lovely. Now that we're a hand-knitted sock. We're all talking knitted socks, aren't we? Well, I didn't wear them, but I brought them. I got I got those. 
Yeah, we see. And and these, I mean, these socks are just so warm. Yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not tight fitting or anything like that, but that's what you want. You need to have loose garments so that you get the nice warm air trapped around your feet. My feet are getting cold now, but yeah. I just, I was just so thrilled to have these. I just love them. <laughs> but that's, I think we, we're gardeners and, and as gardeners, we need these items. So I thought I need to learn to knit, so I can knit jumpers and scarves. Socks was the one thing. But I thought I need to knit because I wear so many and I, it wears out so quickly. Let me learn to knit. And I think that was the most frightening thing I ever felt. I was learning to knit and it's the best thing. And now I can't stop knitting socks. And that's all I'm doing in the evening is an hour a day. Just just do some knitting and just have my little peaceful moment with them. I love knitting socks. There we go. Who knew this was going to transition from a gardening <laughs> podcast into a knitting podcast? Well, the other thing is, of course, you know, the most difficult part of knitting a sock is turning the heel. Yes. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> After knitting about 10 pairs, it's easy. <laughs> I, I I I can do it now, but I do still get a bit frightened every time. I'm, am I? Is this going to be the one where I forget how to do it? But so <laughs> so far so good. Um, Alan, I suppose we haven't done a flow mo from you, have we? No, we haven't. And I, I'll tell you what my flow mo is. Actually, is is uh... <laughs> can I have a pair of socks next time, please? <laughs> Yeah, next Christmas, next Christmas, no, uh, no shawls or scarves for Alan Gray. A much smaller parcel with some nice, thick, loose knitted socks. I'll have to. Well, I mean, just to go with the to go with the flow of how everything is, what we've been talking about. I mean, I want to grow the Aleppo pepper. Oh yeah. And we grow lots of chilies. We grow lots of chilies in our greenhouse, our vegetable greenhouse. We grow chilies, tomatoes, and um, cucumbers in there, and we also grow sort of the uh, odd kind of squashy type things that, you know, small squashy type things. I can't remember all their names. Um, and so that's what I want to do. I want to get that Aleppo pepper going because, I mean, Ricky, you make it look easy. I'm sure it's not. but um, It's not. I mean, if you want the seed, just just let's let's talk afterwards and I'll get, I'll get information. <laughs> because I saved my own seeds and majority of the seeds went back to the Heritage Seed Library, but I did keep a few because I want that heritage to continue somehow so yeah. they have most of my seeds but i did keep a few so yeah we, we can i can i can sort some out for you because it's very hard to get them very very hard to get hold of these seeds right well i think i mean we've got we've just started a gardening club in our village um last last year and we've got a seed swap day coming and i'm very very interested to see what kind of things we get because um sorry that's the postman i just wondered who it was <laughs> It's very interesting to see, you know, lots of people like amateur gardeners like us, they grow things that are, they grow plants, flowers, vegetables that are interesting rather than plentiful. And some of the things they grow are probably more difficult. And that's why you can only get them from heritage societies and things. I mean, I remember particularly several years ago when I wanted to grow the crimson flowered broad bean, you couldn't find it anywhere. Now, of oh, course, yeah. it's taken on a new lease of life because it's become oh. popular. And yes. I remember going to um, a very famous public garden that was open and they had a greenhouse and the greenhouse in the early part of the year was full of vegetables in pots and they had the crimson flowered broad bean and this most fantastic fern, which happened to be a carrot, <laughs> grown in a pot <laughs> and elevated. It just looked absolutely fabulous. 
um, and as well as sort of spinaches and chards and things like that. And the colour and the vivacity from it was absolutely wonderful. So I grow the crimson broad bean now, and I, mean, I think that's come back from probably being almost lost. Um, so it is important, I think, to have these heritage varieties. I want to grow the edamame bean. Oh, I've yeah. never grown it. I didn't know it, it was hairy. But I do oh, now. Yeah. I think I think when you when you see the whole plant will be amazing. It's amazing because even I didn't know what what I was going to expect when I first grew it, and it just blew me. I don't know. Have you ever? You, I don't think they sell fresh edamame beans. I think they're always frozen. But if you have a look at a frozen one, you might just see slight hairs on them. Very slight. They're very fine. But I. I didn't expect what I saw on that yeah. plant. I, I thought it was something completely different. I said, oh my goodness, is this is this right? So I had to contact other people who have grown it in the past. They go, yes, it is hairy. And you are right. Slugs do not like them because well, they're just too, too prickly. Yeah. Well, that's that's on my list as well. So there you are. Um, I caught kohlrabi in salads. Um, you know, it was innovative listening to you talking about the way to make a dressing with, with um, yeah. mango chutney. Um, and you know, I just suddenly thought, gosh, this is this is like experimenting, isn't it? I say it's just fusion. You're just you're just bringing things together. That's all it is. It's it's still there. Everything is there. You're just marrying things up because people have never tried to. Because some people say, right, that chutney will only go in a squash curry, or this you can only eat it as a side. No, why don't you just mix them together, and you never know what comes out of it. And and it's it's just it's just nice to try different flavors, and and it, they sort of burst in your mouth, and you think, wow, I've got every single flavor I wanted to taste, but I can taste them all. Yeah. Whoa. Makes you hungry. <laughs> I don't think you can do better than that. <laughs> Uh, Rekka, it has just been an hour of, of joy, I think, getting your enthusiasm for every stage of your process from collecting the seed, growing the seed, nurturing the plants, having a conversation with them, figuring out what they want out of you, storing, you know, your beans and making your chutneys and your preserves. It's it's the whole process, your love for every single part of it just comes through um well here and in your book so i uh, thank you so much for coming along and sharing that with us because i'm feeling really no, fired no. up for my allotment of venturing in 2023 no no thank you for having me i think i think it's just the joy as as i was once a beginner as well so i think i think it just i just want to show that it's so much possible and you don't have to become as crazy as i am when it comes <laughs> to growing but it's there but, the but Rekha, Rekha, there's every danger that you will <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I'm just I'm just on a probably a different, completely different level, but that that's just me. Everyone knows that's just me. When I try to do some doing something, it's not just on a small scale, it just goes big. So that, that's just that's just where I am. I think Alan can sympathize with that. <laughs> um, we're on the same page, aren't we, Alan? We are indeed. Yeah, we are indeed. And I have to say the world's a much better place to have you in it, Rekka. <laughs> And you two, they were two of us will change them. Rekka's Kitchen Garden came out last week. Go get it. Gift it to people. Spread the love. <laughs> Indeed. Happy Bye. gardening, everybody. Happy gardening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, 4Ds here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person.
If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favorite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favorite person, next time.